0: Accelerating payments and improving cash flow with HSBC Corporate Cards. Welcome to Cultivating the Best Environment, Compliance, Control and Security, Episode 1 of a five-part series of podcasts from HSBC and Visa with me, Vincent Evis. We've created this podcast series to help with a challenge that is affecting lots of businesses, when it comes to the requisition to pay process. Namely, that we're either using outdated processes, not working to a coherent plan, or just not releasing the potential value that's there for the taking. We're going to be solving these kinds of problems. How do we get our staff to comply with policy and use the payment tools we need them to? How do we maintain effective controls so that we are only allowing spend at approved suppliers? How do we ensure the highest levels of supplier receptivity to our chosen payment method? And how do we make sure we achieve the best business case across all functions in our business? In this opening episode, we're tackling the challenge of how to cultivate the best environment for payments. That starts with asking a simple question. What's the purpose of using a commercial payment card? The answer has to be deriving business case value for those parties involved, and more. That business case has to be for the buyer and the supplier. Each time there is a transaction, there is a value delivered, whether it's to the customer, supplier, and so on. Clarifying the business case starts with knowing your current state. Where are you, exactly? For example, what are the problems in accounts payable, finance, procurement, or other parts of the business? That insight informs your vision. Where are you going? Is the priority to reduce the number of reconciliation issues? Or improve the supplier experience or extend payment terms? And from there, it's a question of defining your strategy. How are you going to get there? If you don't know where your lines in the sand are, you risk flailing around and implementing strategies that negatively influence other areas of the business. The strategic part of the puzzle involves analysing purchase data and focusing on payment benefits in particular areas. The final missing piece is the compass as in the ability to know where you are at any given time in the process. To discuss this further, we spoke with David Kitchener, Cash and Payments Manager at Wessex Water. So, David, you use different types of cards. Can you talk to us about the the different sorts of methods that you have and the purposes you put them to?
1: Uh, Yes, Vince. Um, We use traditional walking plastic, lodge, supplier and department cards that offer a mix of card types, uh, successfully moved uh, noise from the more formal PA processes, improved efficiency, productivity and our working capital.
0: Very good. And I I think you have a particular use case that you use, something to do with a supplier or department card, is that right?
1: Yes, a supplier card. Uh, This is a company property issued to an operational department to be used solely with a specified supplier. The Wessex Street Work team uses supplier cards specifically to local councils to pay for statutory highway works. The card can be used in other areas of business, uh, such as business rates for uh, certain teams and also for the buying teams alike.
0: Very good. Now, having a payment product is great, but then, of course, we could rely on people uh, often in order to follow policies and things like that. So what sort of framework or structure do you use in order to manage compliance?
1: We use uh, terms and conditions of use and these detail the rules that apply to the use of the purchase card and are integral to compliance with policy. The Ts and Cs form an agreement between the company and the employee who wants to use the card.
0: And how do you monitor that structure if you happen to have any sort of issues in the programme?
1: Within the Ts and Cs there are specific clauses around the use of the card. Uh, One of the most common um, clauses is around reconciliation. Line item detail is a key component of compliance. We use MyVision Premium, where detailed transaction data is passed when a payment card is used for a specific purchase, such as an item purchased, quantity, and other purchase specific order information. This forms uh, detailed information that now enables reconciliation, accounting importance, and risk control. That was David Kitchener,
0: Cash and Payments Manager at Wessex Water. We'll be looking more closely at some of the key business drivers in Episode 3, but today let's focus on the biggest challenge of all – compliance. It's not just a case of having a clear policy. It's about enforcing or supporting that policy. Ultimately, it comes down to how do you get people to do what you want them to do. Telling people what to do is a thing of the past – we're now more likely to talk about things like choice architecture. Here is a typical scenario. Using your card for corporate travel. The biggest issue is people wanting to use their own card because they can accumulate points, for example. One solution is to frame the choice between failure to comply will mean settlement of expenses after 120 days and failure to comply will result in more surveillance of your spending and further approval checks on spending and sign-offs. There will come a tipping point where behaviour becomes compliant. As soon as an organisation has a policy, it is obliged to audit that policy and to measure compliance, for example. We have some interesting research around compliance. 98% of companies have policies. 52% of those companies measured compliance with the policy, And yet only 26% had consequences for non-compliance. It's an essential question. What's the point of having a policy if you don't measure it and there are no consequences to help you improve it? Interestingly, we should be aware that compliance varies by markets. North American markets, for example, tend to show a greater tendency to compliance than Latin American, for example. This could be because card payments are ingrained in the landscape. Perhaps there is a difference in attitudes to credit instruments and payment terms, or in some markets other payment options such as digital cash have leapfrogged cards. We know from the psychologist Solomon Asher's experiments in the 1950s that people respond to group pressure. Most will respond to the norm. So if you tell them that the norm is good behaviour... You'll boost compliance. Perhaps organisations can take their cue from the efforts of HM Revenue and Customs to increase tax compliance. The threat of penalties delivered a 57% clearance rate. Informing people, however, that nine out of 10 of those in their area paid their taxes on time boosted clearance to 86%. Pointing out that tax receipts were used for a specific purpose improved collections by £5.6 billion. Compare the approach of publicising positive behaviour with the approach of the Internal Revenue Service in the USA in announcing that large numbers of people were falsifying their tax returns in 2007. That led to a 22% increase in fraud. The key takeaway from what is a broad and rich topic is that once organisations have an understanding of what their best social norms are, they can deploy them to improve compliance and refine their messaging around the business benefit. Having explored compliance, the next logical step is to take a look at controls. For example, In a card payment scenario, there are a number of controls available, such as merchant category group blocking, which would prevent a card from being used for certain categories, for example buying an airline ticket, or for certain frequencies of payments, for example no more than once a day, or above daily values. Physical plastic cards and controls were the norm until about 20 years ago, when single-use accounts started to come onto the scene using a unique 16-digit number generated electronically with no physical card. With there being no actual card, a lot of the emotional concerns about risk and control started to go away. Here was a card account with a card number that can be masked from the individual user, reducing risk and improving control. Why does it matter? Well, a company can pay different ways. They could pay on order and part with their cash before they receive the goods or service. They could pay upon receipt and check the quality. Or they could pay upon receiving the invoice, on 45 day terms, for example. Physical plastic is usually associated with paying up front. With a virtual or single use card, there isn't the risk and you can wait until you're ready to pay. It all comes down to how customers want to pay. And there are different types of payment beyond the physical card that can assist those options. Virtual cards are not well known, but they're extremely common in areas such as online travel booking. Here's why they're important. Organisations get worried when they have to issue physical pieces of plastic. There's a perception of lack of control, even if the data shows otherwise. But that fear goes away with virtual cards since there is no plastic, and the payment can be released after receiving the goods and services, for example, rather than the traditional cash and order approach, which often comes with using physical cards. The essential question is to evaluate the controls you're already getting with other types of payments, whether it's direct debit, wire transfer, backs, faster payments, etc., The ability to implement a chargeback is also worth noting. If you've paid by card and the merchant didn't deliver, you can use a chargeback privilege. That makes card payment a very attractive environment. It may take up to 60 to 90 days, but it's a clear benefit. That links into the idea of liability, in the sense of who is ultimately responsible for a particular debt. At one end of the spectrum is individual liability, and at the other end is corporate. In B2B, or business-to-business terms, we're talking about corporate liability. In turn, organisations are typically protected from security risks, like misuse of the card by an employee, with a corporate liability waiver. It's a kind of insurance offered by the bank that protects the company against unauthorised use of a payment card. It's an insurance protection that wouldn't be available by any other payment method. For the record, misuse is a very rare black swan kind of event. The data we have, which is extracted from a sample size of over 30 billion euros of card spend across 28 countries, shows that there is a 0.0072% chance of misuse ever happening. To work out how relevant that is to your organisation, if you multiply your targeted card spend, say £10 million, by 0.000072, that would tell you that you are likely to experience £720 of misuse per year for which you would have insurance protection if it had not been paid on card and were unable to obtain a refund from the cardholder. Since we're on the topic of security, it's worth touching on PSD2. That's the Second Payment Services Directive and how it affects card payments. In simple terms, the EU has opened up bank account access to approve third parties, meaning reduced fees in transactions, for example. It's tokenized with biometric authentication. It's a better experience that draws on the regulation and regulation of the market at the same time. Overall, it's been a helpful innovation that has enhanced habits around authentication. For example, something you know, your PIN, something you have, a chip, and something you are, your fingerprint. These have made mobile wallets extremely effective, and those same consumer habits are crossing through into many company cards and payments. So I'm joined by Duncan Kennett from Visa. Duncan, you know and work with a lot of different companies. Perhaps you could kind of talk to us about best practice when it comes to some of these key areas of compliance and control?
2: Yeah. I think what we've seen, you know, evolving over time is, you know, it's about balance and it's about stakeholders. I think, Um, you know, clearly in any organization, there are people, you know, across procurement and finance and probably other governance areas that, that have got an, an interest in how a card program is operated. So obviously you need to have those people, you know, as part of the, as part of the design process, the other thing we hear a lot is what's what's the balance between control and flexibility and, and sort of usability right no point in having something that's so tightly locked down that from an individual's perspective in a company so say i have some kind of you know I have some kind of limited procurement responsibility um, if i feel that using a card is, is onerous then i'll go back to something that's probably paper based and less efficient so it's it's how you get the balance between the two um and and t- tell me
0: why should companies use a card and feel comfortable about it what sort of structure is in there in place in in the visa world to to really provide a good environment for for cards to be used
2: i guess the you know the the product's evolved a lot in the over the past 10 years or so and you know we whether you are using a physical card and you're using the ability that your that your issuer can give you to lock the card down, so it can only be used by a limited amount per month, or a limited amount per transaction, or in specific types of merchants, or, or further down from that, and some other examples we've heard about, you know, cards that are that are used by a specific supplier for a specific purpose. Um, there's a there's a number of different ways in there that you can introduce more control. You know, I think bigger and more sophisticated companies then look at bringing, you know, using a card into their ERP or their procurement system processes to try and, you know, get it get it to mirror the sort of the product selection and the and the approval process, they would get through sort of a big end of town ERP system. You know, which ones of those are appropriate depends on the size of your organization, you know, the types of the types of payments you're looking to move onto card and the types of suppliers that you're using.
0: And and final question for you, Duncan. If you if you were talking to some of our listeners now, and they're just thinking about some top tips to get the most out of a card program, what sorts of things come to mind in terms of the environment that they should create, or the things they should be thinking about?
2: I think the key to successful deployment is about research uh, and uh, and targeting. And I say that because. I don't think a card program can swap out every supplier payment that you're going to make. Um, so you need to think about which are the ones that are appropriate to be used on a, a on a card network and w- and which ones are not. and then bring in the right controls for those. And that of course, you know every company has a different set of suppliers and pays people pays people differently. so there's no simple answer to this. You know it's a matter of applying some of the principles that you know we'll hear about in in these podcasts. Mm-hmm.
0: That was Duncan Kennett,
2: Head of B2B Product Solutions at Visa Europe. We
0: hope you enjoyed this episode. Please make sure to listen to the other episodes in this series. I'm Vincent Evis. Thank you very much for joining us.
2: Thank you for joining us
1: for HSBC Talks Business. To learn more about anything you heard today,
0: please visit business.hsbc.com.